As we turn our attention today again to 1 Peter, we're going to pick up in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Now remember, Peter is the apostle to the Jew, just like Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. And Peter is writing to probably many of the converts of Paul as he preached in all those synagogues up through Pontus and Galatia and Bithynia, Asia. I mean, many of these people had gotten born again through Paul's ministry. So now Peter writes to these born-again Jews, these completed Jews, these Jews have, who have put their faith in their Messiah. We'll pick up in verse 17. And if you call on him as father, now notice, remember how often was Jesus ridiculed for calling God as father? And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear, with respect, Throughout the time of your exile, now notice, according to each one's deeds, he said, hey, guys, you need to understand, God's not, God's not going to show favoritism here. He will judge impartially according to your deeds. Kaya, conduct yourself with respect throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, <laughs> but with the precious blood of Jesus, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. He said, hey, you've been ransomed from all that sinful lifestyle. You've been ransomed from those futile ways, those futile ways of worship. The ceremonial law is futile. It's, it's not that it's worthless. It's just, it didn't work. No one has ever been justified by any of that ceremonial law. So he said, listen, you were ransomed by the blood of Christ. He was foreknown from the, before the foundation of the world. Now notice, Jesus, he, Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. Now th there's the pre-existence of Jesus. Oh, get my pen to work. Here we go. Pre-existence of Jesus. Before the foundation of the world, there was Jesus, who through him are all believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, not in religion, but in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, all right, your, your souls have not been purified by ceremonial law. Your souls were purified by your obedience to the truth. Now, Pastor, I, I thought everything was cleaned up by the blood. Yes. Your soul, your attitudes. Remember, your soul is your emotions, your attitudes, your intellect, your desires, your will. All of that was purified by your obedience to the truth. Purpose. For a sincere brotherly love. Now, all of that change in your soul was for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. How we are born again. Now, this is a beautiful truth. The imperishable seed 
the incorruptible seed of the word of God, was planted within our heart. That's what brought about salvation in us. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. <laughs> I love it. I just love it. Chapter 2, verse 1. So, all right, what is that? So, so says, all right, because of all of this, so put away all malice. Now, malice is a really mean word. It's, it's hatred that wants to hurt people. You know, when you start seeing people put really mean, ugly posts on their Facebook trying to hurt and tear people down, that's malice, all right? When you see people just trying to destroy people for no reason, that's malice. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. He said, put it all away. He said, just put that away. Put away. It's like box it up and stick it someplace. It's not part of you anymore. All malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow in your salvation. So the milk causes growth. Just like a baby needs milk, a baby Christian needs the milk of the word. If indeed you have tasted, remember taste means personal experience, that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, so Jesus Jesus is a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, there's you, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, now this is the local church. You yourselves are being built up. We're being built into and this Greek word is a holy of holies. It's the same Greek word that's used in Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament for holy of holies. We are a living stone, not a dead stone. We can walk away anytime we want. But as a living stone, we are built together with other living stones. And as we come together as a people built together by God, we are a place where the presence of God manifests. We are a place where... God speaks to his people. We are a place of worship. For as it stands in the scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. I love that. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, and here's something you got to get a hold of. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Now, brothers and sisters, people stumble because they disobey the word. Okay? I mean, you, you just, why do these people stumble? Because they disobey the word. Why did they stumble into that sin? Because they disobey the word. But you are, and here we begin to understand who we are as Christians. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, notice, this is who we are. Who we are, what we have. Who we are, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possessions. What we have, a calling out of darkness into light. Who we are, a people, God's people. What we have, mercy. Dig through the scriptures. There's such beautiful, beautiful truth. Now, notice Peter writes in somewhat a similar style to the Apostle Paul. It is just packed full of truth, line upon line. And just like Paul, Peter writes, this is who you are in Christ. And this is what you have in Christ. And this is, therefore, how you should now live. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. And then Sister Bev is going to be with us in Ezekiel.
Hello, welcome back to Ezekiel, the drama, drama, drama prophet, and all of his things that he was enacting in front of the people. And we're learning from Ezekiel that people are people are people. The same thing that causes the people in Ezekiel's day to chase after sinful things, it's the same thing in our lives today. And so we learn lessons as we watch these people supposedly, then we don't have to learn these lessons firsthand, right? Because we see that they are learning these lessons. We go, oh, something to stay away from. All right, today we are in Ezekiel chapter 32, and we're starting with verse 17. In the twelfth year, in the twelfth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, wail over the multitude of Egypt and send them down her and her daughters of majestic nations, to the world below, to those who have gone down to the pit. Whom do you surpass in beauty? Go down and be laid to rest with the uncircumcised. For they shall fall amid those who are slain by the sword. Egypt is delivered to the sword. Drag her away and all her multitudes. The mighty chiefs shall speak of them with their helpers out of the midst of Sheol. They have come down, they lie still, the uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Assyria is there, and all her company, its graves and all around it, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, whose graves are set to the uttermost parts of the pit, and her company is all around her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, who spread terror in the land of the living. So Egypt is going to fall, Assyria already fallen. It's like a list of the great nations that exalted themselves, but they were full of sin. They rebelled against God. And where are they now? Nations come, nations go. You know, nations sometimes even cease to exist or they get divided up by conquerors and so on. Verse 24, Elam is there. And all her multitude around her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, who went down uncircumcised into the world below, who spread their terror in the land of the living, and they bear their shame with those who go down to the pit. They have made her a bed among the slain with all her multitude, her graves all around it, all of them uncircumcised, slain by the sword, for terror of them was spread in the land of the living, and they bear their shame with those who go down to the pit. They are placed among the slain. Meshach Tubal is there, and all her multitude, her graves all around it, all of them uncircumcised, slain by the sword, for they spread their terror in the land of the living. And they shall not lie with the mighty, the fallen from among the uncircumcised, who went down to Sheol with their weapons of war, whose swords were laid upon their heads, and whose iniquity are upon their bones." For the terror of the mighty men was in the land of the living. But as for you, you shall be broken and lie among the uncircumcised with those who are slain by the sword. You see what happens to those who terrorize other people? <laughs> in the end, they think themselves all that and they will just, uh, who was that again? You don't even remember. You're looking at a, a picture in a, in a photo album and you're saying, I used to know that person. What was that person's name again? Those who spread terror, they're going to be forgotten. Edom 
is there, her kings and all her princes, who for all their might are laid with those who are killed by the sword. They lie with the uncircumcised, with those who go down to the pit. The princes of the north are there, all of them, and all the Sidonians who have gone down in shame with the slain. For all the terror that they cause by their might, they lie uncircumcised with those who are slain by the sword and bear their shame with those who go down to the pit. When Pharaoh sees them, he'll be comforted for all his multitude. Pharaoh and all his army slain by the sword declares the Lord. You know, there's something that happens when I sit at the Western Wall in Jerusalem praying. And sometimes we stand, but if we're going to be there a long time, they have chairs all over the place and you get to sit and pray for a while. I just, sometimes I sit there and the first half hour I can't even say anything. I'm just looking up at those walls and realizing how big God is, how eternal is his kingdom, how powerful is his hand. When he stretches out, it happens. Nobody can stand against the Lord. When it's time to move, he moves. And I look at those walls, those huge stones and in another place, just near there, there's some of those huge stones that are lying in rubble where the Romans had pushed the walls over at one point. And then you can see as different nations have built up the walls, kingdoms come and kingdoms go. And yet you look at those walls still standing and you see the birds of the skies, the birds of the heavens, there they are making their nests all along the walls. In fact, sometimes if you sit too close to the wall, you need to be careful because there are little branches coming out from some of those places or little alcoves where the birds have made their nests. And if you sit too close to the wall, let's just say you want to have a plastic bag over your lap <laughs> or else you might have something Thing, visit you while you're praying. Yes, that has happened. Absolutely. And uh, not pleasant. So you, the birds are there. The stones are still standing, still there, layers and layers. And yet there's still the God of heaven. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Kingdoms have ruled over Jerusalem and they're gone. Kingdoms come and keep Kingdoms go, but there's still a God in heaven, and he has on this earth a people who will seek him and who will pray. And still our God is the God of gods and the King of kings. And we see this parade of nations that come, that go. Another one is raised up, another one is put down. And yet God is still God, and we just need to serve him and be assured and be restful in his stability in our lives. Because that's ultimately the eternal truth that God is God. And he will stand when all kingdoms have fallen. And so Pharaoh sees them. And there's all his army. Verse 32, for I spread terror in the land of the living, and he shall be laid to rest among the uncircumcised. With those who are slain by the sword, Pharaoh and all his multitude declares the Lord God. Chapter 33, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to your people and say to them, 
If I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from among them, and make him their watchman. Now remember that Ezekiel was said by God, I am, I am making you a watchman. And if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be upon his own head. So apply it to us. If people have warned us of our sin, if people have warned us, you know what you're doing? It's not right. You're abusing your fellow man. You will come to accountability for that. It's not right. And if we, ah, I'm getting away with it. God doesn't see. God doesn't care. Eventually, judgment comes in our life and our blood is on our own head because of the things that we have ignored. I call them our mercy warnings. In all of our lives, I think God gives us mercy warnings. And sometimes a mercy warning is when a friend says something. When a friend or maybe the pastor is preaching a passage of scripture and you feel it burning in your heart or maybe the pit of your stomach starts feeling like, oh, that's speaking to me. Or maybe you even got caught doing something. You got caught shoplifting. You got caught doing something that you shouldn't be doing in your company. That's a mercy warning. And you need to see it that way. Bringing sin to light and saying, uh-uh, you keep going along this path. It's only going to lead to sorrow and death and destruction. But if you can hear a mercy warning and take heed and change your ways and turn to the Lord and say, Lord, wash me and cleanse me. Make me clean before you. Help me to live right. Then the judgment is averted. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. If the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any one of, the way, of them away, that person is taken away in his iniquity. It's still, judgment still comes. Iniquity is judged. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, O son of man, so verse 7 of chapter 33, So you, O son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. This is exactly the same verse as chapter 3, verse 17. So early, early, early in Ezekiel's ministry, God spoke to him these words. You know, God never changes. If he's called you, he's called you. If he has asked you to do something in life, he has asked you to do something in life. God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't change his ideas about what should be happening in his kingdom and in his world. God doesn't change his mind. If he has placed you in a place to serve him, serve him until he tells you else something else. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, 
That wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. You know, your emotions, your your insides. How do you feel when God tells you, you know that neighbor of yours? Speak to them because that neighbor needs me. That neighbor needs to know me. And you say, oh God, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. I'm so whatever. And the neighbor dies not knowing the Lord. What happens to your soul? You're tormented. Your emotions, you, you grieve about it because God spoke to you and you didn't say something. So if you do say something, you will have delivered your soul. And you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you said, surely our transgressions and our sins are upon you, and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? You know, have you ever met people who, quote, have the ministry of correction? <laughs> this is not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about people who go around criticizing all the time. That's not right. Why did you do this? You know, have you ever noticed that people who are like that are people who have never done anything in their life? They're not doing it. They just want to criticize everybody else who is trying to do something in life. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when God prompts your heart to warn somebody of their wicked ways and you don't, then you're going to be tormented about that in your life. Your soul will, needs, <laughs> needs deliverance because your soul will be upset, disquieted. You should have done something and you didn't. So you don't say, oh, it's not my place. Oh, um, you know, that person is older than me. How can I talk to that person? Oh, that person is a certain status in life. I don't want to talk to that person. When you see wrongdoing, you call it. You call wrong as wrong. You don't let people just get away. And you might say, but I'm not his supervisor. I'm not her supervisor. Never mind. Wrong is wrong. And you call it. And you don't just say, oh, it's not for me to do. As I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You always have to remember that. But that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? And you, O son of man, say to your people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness. And the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. In other words, it is possible to turn away from God and start doing wrong after you have already been doing right. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, Yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, you know, some of these people who say, I am forgiven, therefore I can no longer sin. I don't sin in my life. I am sinlessly perfect. Ooh, would hate to be married to someone who thought that way. But people who trust in their own goodness, trust in their own deeds, and therefore start doing injustice, None of their good deeds, none of their righteousness will be remembered. But in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. 
Yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has taken by robbery, and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right. He shall surely live. Yet your people say, the way of the Lord is not just, when it is their own way that is not just. Blaming someone else, blaming God? When the righteous turns from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. And when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is just and right, he shall live by this. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just, O house of Israel. I will judge each of you according to his ways. You notice that, right, about the judgment of God. It's not blanket. It's not just always the same for everybody. It's it's our own ways that come upon our own heads. It's the consequence of our own sin, our own choices that come upon us. Verse 21 In the twelfth year of our exile, in the tenth month, on the fifth day of the month, a fugitive from Jerusalem came to me and said, The city has been struck down. Now the hand of the Lord has been upon me in the evening before the fugitive came, and he had opened my mouth by the time the man came to me in the morning. So my mouth was open and I was no longer mute. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, the inhabitants of these waste places in the land of Israel keep saying, Abraham was only one man, yet he got possession of the land. We are many. The land is surely given to us to possess. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, You eat flesh with the blood and lift up your eyes to your idols and shed blood. Shall you then possess the land? You rely on the sword. You commit abominations. Each of you defiles his neighbor's wife. Shall you possess the land? Say this to them, Thus says the Lord God, As I live, surely those who are in the waste places shall fall by the sword, and whoever is in the open field I will give to the beasts to be devoured, and those who are in strongholds and in caves shall die by pestilence, and I will make the land a desolation and a waste, and her proud might shall come to an end, and the mountains of Israel shall be so desolate that none will pass through. Then, what's going to follow? Then they shall know that I am the Lord. When I have made the land a desolation and a waste because of all her abominations that they have committed. As for you, son of man, your people who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act, and their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear what you say, but they will not do it. When this comes and come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Let's apply that. (laughs) Let's say it doesn't do you any good at all to go to church 
and listen to the preacher and say, oh, what a great preacher. What beautiful music our church has. Oh, it's heaven on earth. I love to be there and sing to the Lord and the preacher what sermons he has. But when you turn your back on the church and go out into your week, you go out into your everyday life, you live like the devil, you are not going to be right in God's eyes just because you went to church and listened to the preacher. It might be, oh, wow, yes, that's very interesting. What happens to the word of God in our lives? We need to live it. We need to live righteous. We need to make good choices day after day after day. We need to choose to walk humbly with our God and with our fellow man. And this we can learn loud and clear from this dramatic prophet, Ezekiel. Amen. That is our Bible reading for today. And that is our daily devotions for today. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you will join us for our COP online evening service tonight at 7 p.m. in exactly this same location. God bless you all.